This podcast is recorded in Byron Bay on the Bundjalung Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of this land and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to It Takes Courage to Tell the Truth. This podcast features women from around the world focusing on themes such as birth, business, sustainability, women's health, sex, death, politics, and much, much more. A podcast where we can find our magic, reclaim our witchcraft, and discover our lineage as women. In this conversation, I talk with Samantha Neal. Sam is a menstrual educator and activist. She has educational programs that she teaches throughout Australia and the United States to both girls and women. Her work is in dismantling attitudes of silence and shame around menstruation. In this conversation, we talk to Sam about her own journey, um, her relationship with the menstrual cycle, the importance of rest, and how we can fight capitalism and white supremacy by tapping into our own inner magic and power as women. Sam, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. Uh, How are you today? Hey, Ella. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I am well and rested, which feels nice on this Tuesday morning. Beautiful. Um, Sam, I wanted to get you on the show because a lot of this podcast is about exposing the truths in which um, we aren't kind of educated in as people and also specifically as women. Um, And one thing that I really love about you and your work is that you just blow the top off like the silence and shame around the menstrual cycle and I know a lot of your work is embedded in kind of dismantling these attitudes to do with mm. your menstruation cycle or our menstruation cycle as a collective so can you share with us your own story and how you kind of overcome these attitudes towards yourself mm, yeah um So I'm originally from from the States. I grew up in Venice Beach and I moved to Hawaii when I was 12 with my mom. And um, I've been in this area for almost four years now. And about five years ago, I was was in law school in downtown Los Angeles and in a very masculine environment, highly competitive, um, goal-oriented. Yeah, anything having to do with the body was completely irrelevant. And um, yeah, you know, I was, I was working with homeless youth. I, I was always oriented towards service and wanting to make the world a better place, but that pathway wasn't right for me. And I didn't, I didn't know it then. And about um, four years ago, I went on a silent retreat and um, just gave myself the space to listen to myself and hear what was true. And it was so clearly quit law school and moved to Australia, which was the place I've always dreamt of coming to, of traveling. And um, it was also during this retreat that I found this book and I was like physically pulled to this book um, by the name. It was called Pussy. And pretty much the book was about the idea that 
as women, we have power contained within our bodies and it looks different to a man's. And I, um, it blew me away, really. Everything shifted from that point. And I, I came back from the retreat. I, you know, quit school. I quit my job and I bought a one-way ticket to Australia. And just from there, I immersed myself in trainings and, and books. And I was really interested in, in, in sexuality and female power and that expression and studying more feminine ways of relating to myself and the world and relationships and just in general to life. And um, the more that I kind of, I followed the thread of sexuality and sensuality, I found myself um, at the menstrual cycle. And you know, I was just, just understanding that I functioned on a cycle, that I had different capacities every month, that I needed different things, that I changed every day. That was huge for me it was revolutionary and I had never been taught that before and um yeah that's like anything that you feel really passionate about that, you, that you've learned it's it's natural just to share it. and so I've kind of it's my whole path has just unfolded from there and um, I've definitely shifted and changed how I share and, and, and what I share and why but you know the basis constantly has always been um connecting to our bodies is important if we want to um, create a healthy relationship with ourselves and everything around us um, because it starts here. So yeah, yeah, that's mm. um, where I come from and how I got here. I love that. It's so beautiful. And it, it makes me think about how like when we're connected to our bodies as women, we can really like walk through the world as like strong activists in the way that we're actually kind of going against the mainstream narrative. And I'm sure that many mm. women can relate to feeling shame about yeah. their periods or their menstrual cycle or their blood or whatever they choose to yeah. call it. Um, so how do you kind of see a connection with it being an activist, honoring your cycle and, and interweaving those two as you walk through the world? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. And just to, yeah, because I remember the first part of the first question you asked me about menstrual shame, which you can't talk about this work and not mention menstrual shame. You know, even if you had beautiful open parents who, who, didn't, who, who didn't personally shame you for your female body, we grow up in a world where other forces and people are parenting us. And um, we, you know, we, we come from 5,000 years of patriarchal, patriarchal conditioning that, that, that has informed us too. So we, we do carry shame, menstrual shame in our bodies. And also the fact that it's, you know, menstrual, the menstrual taboo is probably the most ingrained, widespread and cross-cultural taboo that we can find. You know, across all cultures, we, we in some different cultures and religions, there's, you know, um, and women, when they're bleeding, aren't allowed to enter the temple or touch food or enter the kitchen, talk to men, touch men. Um, you know, and it's believed to be because we're not pure at this time. And um, we see this in Western culture, although not so, you know, explicit, but like the tampon ads with the blue liquid and, and the women in, in all white playing sports and the message that I received as a young person um, seeing these was that to be a woman was inherently impure and something that you know was fundamentally shameful and um, we you know I um, yeah and I feel that you know we're at a really unique point in history 
it's one where we have the most people menstruating now than ever before because we have the most people and also because where our grandmothers and their mothers would have been pregnant and breastfeeding for more of the time and so not bleeding. Um, you know, we're at a point now when, when that isn't happening at the same rate. And also we're existing, you know, for, the, for, for us in the Western world, generally speaking, we're allowed to really explore a menstrual cycle awareness at a time when um, the, world, the world is in desperate need of menstrual awareness and menstrual consciousness because, um, yeah, I feel that, and back to your question about how is activism and cycle awareness linked is that it's, you know, this is your first relationship that will carry you throughout your entire life. And so how you relate to it, it matters. And so I feel that this is like ground zero for, um, creating social change, for creating a new world that's respectful of life. And, and, um, when we can, you know, relate to our cycles in this way we learn how to relate to um, external rhythms and patterns of life and um, yeah I see cycle awareness as a, um, a really intimate and profound act of um, resistance against this patriarchal paradigm that has told us to be ashamed of our bodies and our blood and um, you know that degrades the earth that um you know thinks in hierarchical ways of thinking this is um activism against that and it's through um listening to your body and acknowledging the truth that it holds wisdom mm. yeah and i love the idea also of like a cycle coming to completion and it's something that we're often really scared of in this society which is talking about things like death or the end of something and and mm. realizing that within our own internal bodies as women we are constantly going through this process of life and death and that it's actually mm. very normal and very a part of like the living earth that we encompass yeah. and that when we really can tap into that cycle space, we can kind of start to develop a deeper relationship with grief and also death in one, which I think really shifts the narrative of then how you kind of walk through the world. But talking about mm. the cycle, would you, for those who maybe don't know, um, you know, would you be able to describe what the cycle encompasses? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't have enough time to obviously go into depth, but I can definitely share an overview. And, um, you know, the way that I teach uh, the cycle, is, the menstrual cycle is in relation to all other cycles that we see. Um, but primarily the cycles of the earth and the seasons and the phases of the moon. And, you know, um, it, that's one of the most, you know, beautiful pieces of this work is that the facts that we see, um, we see the cycles imprinted in our own bodies and it's not this like esoteric and fluffy thing that when we actually begin to you know consciously encounter our menstrual cycles we literally see that we are in rhythm with the greater forces around us and so the way that i teach is kind of um yeah you know i can explain it using the tree a tree that um um whose leaves fall and so you know in spring there is in spring, the energy of the tree, it flows from the earth through the roots up. It's an upward ascent, and that's kind of what's happening within our bodies. There's this reintroduction of our hormones into the body. So at menstruation, which would be um, 
the winter phase or the dark moon. Um, it's our lowest hormone levels. And so it's also our lowest energy levels. Um, but then come spring, um, we have the reintroduction of FSH creates high levels of estrogen. So our energy is rising. The energy is, yeah, it's an upward ascent. And then um, there's um, a certain force and momentum that, that's propelling us forward here. And then, you know, in summer, the tree, all of its energy is in its flowers and fruits and its offerings to the world. It's in, yeah, it's external, just like our, our inner ovulation. Um, it's the peak of our creative cycle and it's when, you know, our estrogen levels are highest, our testosterone levels are, levels are highest. It's when the egg bursts from the follicle at that point in the cycle, the egg is the largest cell in the human body. Um, it's shining and bright and like the full moon, it's magnetic. It can draw in, um, any surrounding sperm. Um, um, it can draw in what it needs to complete that creation cycle. This is also mirrored in our own, you know, emotional lives. We are magnetic here um, for reuse, which is our, you know, primary function in the human body. But yeah, and so then um, the tree in summer, you know, energy in, in the leaves and flowers and fruits, and then come fall, um, autumn, the, the energy starts to flow downwards back into the roots, back into the earth. It's a downward descent. And we, we see this in our luteal phase, our premenstrual phase. It's this, um, you know, progesterone is really um, ruling this half of the cycle. And progesterone is a very different experience to our estrogen um, first half of the cycle that, yeah, that rules that first half. And progesterone, um, yeah, where, you know, if, you know, if you're working where a week ago, you, you could have worked great in groups, you know, probably in this point in your cycle, you work better alone. You need more space to yourself. You actually are, are more, I mean, your right brain is, um, its activity is enhanced, which is your creativity and self-expression and um, emotional intelligence part of the brain. And so to really, yeah, and um, it's a very creative time, the, the autumn, the premenstrual phase, and also a time of lower tolerance and sensitivity. And, you know, it's, it's, it has been shamed. It's like, you know, um, how often have we, have we been the, the receiver of a joke? Are you PMSing? Mm -hmm. And yet it's a profound um, part of the cycle. It's probably one of the most, you know, I feel most passionate about sharing because it's, it's you know, um, we have lower tolerance for a reason, you know, um, so that we can more closely contact what's real and alive within us. We can't ignore it at this point. It's a course correcting mechanism where we see what's real and alive so we can actually feel it. And then we can address it and, um, you know, probably at a different point in the cycle when you have more capacity and patience for it, but, but, but you closely contact it is the point and you can't escape it. And that supports our growth and our healing and, um, yeah, coming back to our own truth. So that's, yeah, the premenstrual phase it can be like, it can still be like a highly productive time too. It just, it, it requires um, more space for yourself, more time on your own. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And um, then, you know, coming back down to winter where, um, you know, if you're looking at that tree again, from the outside, it may look dead, um, but actually all of the energy is, uh, is, um, underground it's it's internal and and that period of rest and recharging is necessary for the tree's long-term survival 
And just like that, menstruation, again, um, you know, it's a very real death in the body. As I, like you said, it's a time, you know, to rest, a time to restore and, 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 and renew ourselves. And, and I love how you mentioned um, death energy and that, you know, in our Western culture, um, it's actively avoided. But death energy, it cuts through the superficial, including like all these preconceived ideas of who we are and who we need to be and how others see us. And bleeding supports us to let those stories die. And so we can de-armor ourselves and, um, yes, yeah, strip back those layers. Um, but, yeah, and also just rest and um, restore our bodies. And, you know, our, our, our hormones, our neurochemistry is supporting us to receive rest. Yeah, so, and yeah, there's, that's, hmm. there's so much activism that can be done by resting. And, you know, there's a, the, mm. I feel like a lot to do with the decolonizing space and moving more into a kind of feminine world and a feminine energy is really going away from what the mainstream is doing with this nine to five, Monday to Friday. And as women taking charge of our cycle and our bodies and being like, well, actually, I'm not going to come in today because I'm on my first day of my blade. It's really heavy on my second day of my blade. And I know we live in an area where, you know, everyone's always talking about which day they're on. And it's, it's amazing to live in a community of women that are actually tapped into the cycle. But then it really creates a ripple effect you know when you speak to your friend and you may have made plans with them but then it falls on a day where their bleed is really heavy or something and you can just acknowledge that that's like oh time mm. for you to rest and it doesn't become so intense for us to have to stick to these kind of like planned commitments almost and allows a yeah. lot more fluidity within our lives and acceptance from other women as well when you're also in that space of sharing your cycle yeah, absolutely. That's so important. Like if you're, you're taking place in live action, you're, you're um, contributing to this paradigm shift and, and it's so important to speak about. And I also so get why a lot of, of women wouldn't feel safe to do that. And that actually, you know, I have like, I have a friend who is speaking to me about how somehow her work has fallen on, um, like her longest days at work have fallen on day one and two of, of of her cycle so she's been bleeding heaviest and, and working the longest and she's like why you know like and um and she's like I feel like I'm experiencing how most women um experience their cycles in, in the workforce and then but I also had to say to that well you know actually you have an awareness of your cycle which um you've practiced how to adjust your expectations of what you can offer um mm. work and and what you have available, which can give us so much compassion and, and kindness with ourselves. And, you know, she also mentioned too, like, I, I feel like I'm being of service, actually. Like, I'm, I'm offering my work a softer, more intuitive energy. Mm. And, and that's actually a gift to them. And I love that too, because, um, yeah, it's a selfless and, you know, it's a selfless approach to it. But I think it is, it is important to, um, to be honest with yourself and, and, and if you feel safe enough to, to be that in front of other people too. And um, also that, you know, when, when we're working um, and bleeding, I, I was working with a client and she worked in finance and, you know, in the corporate world. And she um, was saying that she had a meeting on day two of her cycle and, with an opposing party and they were um, 
know, asking her a lot of questions and she had this gut feeling to not answer them and, and she didn't understand why. And then it came out later that, that um, they were trying to trick her into disclosing some information. And she said that, you know, had I not been bleeding, I might not have picked up on that. Mm. And so this is just, you know, a different example and story to show that like, you know, a lot of us aren't in aren't um, living in places where we can really honor our cycles truthfully. But there are ways to support ourselves while working and bleeding, and and understand that we actually have have access to a different quality of energy in that space. Yeah, and I think that's great to point out as well is that when you're aware of your cycle, like that is, say for example, you're ovulating and then that weekend falls on something where you've been asked to do a lot of things. It could be extracurricular activities or just socializing that you know that you'll more often than not have the energy to go and explore that space. But if, mm -hmm. you know, something happens and you have a, a bunch of activities then planned on day one, for example, of your bleed and you're aware of your cycle, you're more able to navigate these spaces. And I guess that's really mm -hmm. where your work is embedded in is like really highlighting to women the power of this, that it, it, it's so much more than just, um, it's so much more than just like writing day one, day two, day three. It's so much more than just like a yeah. couple of days here and there that the transition it's actually the power of our intuition and 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 for me it's such a initiation every month it's like mm. i i've been thinking about this often is that like our world and when i say that i mean like the western world that we live in and our society that's kind of constructed in both america and australia which are quite paralleled but i i feel like you know, there's often a, a detachment from um, mm. ritual, um, ceremony, initiation in the mainstream. But what I've been coming back to lately is that actually as women, we have these initiations going through our body all the time, you know, and whether that be your first bleed and then your continual bleed or birth, whatever way you choose to birth and then menopause. It's like we mm. have this great space that cannot be taken from us and unfortunately a lot of men have because of the external nature of their initiation processes that has been dismantled as a way to kind of control and colonize people but what we can do as women is tap back into that space because no one can really steal that from us no one can steal our internal clock um, they can tell us that it's not, we're not worthy of listening to it. And they can, you know, kind of, I guess, put a blanket over it by not educating us at a young age about that. But I, I wonder what, like, what educational tools or what advice would you give to especially younger people, both men and women who are stepping out of kind of the childhood phase and moving into their more teenage phases together of, of how to build respect for the menstrual cycle together? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I like, I like how you explain that and um, that like the transitions that are inherent to the female experience, like that's true, the power of them. We can always, that there are, they're always um, are waiting for us to access them. But I think, you know, at every transition, we see that power being stripped away from us, you know, in, in and I feel that um, 
the menstrual cycle is is um, an important starting point if we can you know if we can start there and that um, because either our connection to it or, or the absence of our connection after menopause it, we're constantly in relationship to it um, and we can never master you know this this work or understanding it, it's with us for the rest of our lives and I guess my advice um, I, I don't I don't know if I can really speak to, to men or to um, I'm always growing into men but I don't know what it's like to be in the male body but definitely um i feel like it would probably be similar which would be to listen listen to yourself and and you know at that point i for me it was you know i um it was it's really challenging to question um you know external systems and conditioning at that point in your life but to start with the menstrual cycle to um to I guess, you know, educate yourself and, and, and really like, you know, I always say when, when you're bleeding rest, it's, if you can, um, I think that's an important starting piece is to slow down um, that I think we could all benefit from. Um, yeah, I had something else, but it's up my mind. Yeah. I think the, the conservation of energy is like actually how I believe we can be really sustainable you know i think like to really tap into harnessing what our body is allowing us to have in every moment is a good way to also kind of evade our our consumption techniques and or um, Mm. practices which have been so embedded in us and i know prior to me being in touch with my own menstrual cycle you know i would I would find myself really pushing on those days when I was bleeding, I would be eating excessive amounts of sugar, for example, or much more caffeine or just anything that was going to keep me up because our society just like idolizes energy and idolizes Mm -hmm. kind of outward nature as well. But what I found is when I start to really move with the cycles and the way that I am honoring my body is that I can go into that spaces of, of being restful and not needing to show up in a way that people want me to show up. And therefore I don't have to consume as much. And I guess that's really like a big part of my work is trying to figure out how we can reclaim our magic so that we don't have to fall into this economic structure of consumption that is doing so much harm to the environment and to our own personal bodies and selves in every moment. I guess that the one thing that I pick up a lot from your work and what you do is, is really that idea of, of connecting with our body as also a deep connection to nature. And I just mm-hmm. would love for you to share your relationship with nature and if it has shifted um, since you've started doing this work or if you've seen something in it that's different to what you may have saw when you were in law school. Um. Yeah, I mean they're completely intertwined and can't be separated. Um, but just to just to, to say a little bit more about rest and, and what you shared and how you know you can't really speak about menstrual cycle awareness and not speak about rest and that this practice is really about cultivating sustainable ways of relating both internally and externally and and um, and rest isn't easy actually. It's actually really really hard and I still often feel feelings of guilt and shame for not um for not being at a level that that i think i should be at because of what society has told me and that you know but 
And when we start to more intimately relate to our cycles, we realize that rest and reflection are necessary and needed for creation and production to occur in sustainable ways. Like it's inseparable and, and um, you know, the way that um, we're as a whole, as a collective relating to the earth, you know, pushing past her limits, just taking, taking, exploiting. Um, that's the same mentality that underpins how we push our bodies past their limits and um, expect them to be on all the time. And so, yeah, back to your question on, on how we can, like, how has my relationship to nature shifted? And it, it's, it's deepened as I've, as I've deepened, as I've deepened into this work. Um, yeah, like, you realize that the female body is the microcosm of the earth's larger macrocosm and that the way that we as, as individually and as a collective relate to our, the female body is the way that we relate to the earth. They, they are intertwined, interconnected, cannot be separated. You know, both have life giving and life sustaining power. Both um, are seasonal and, um, yeah, I you know our, our earliest ancestors, they understood this, like the earliest found and figurines are all goddess worshiping and the Venuses because, our, you know, our ancient peoples, they understood what gave them life and they honored that. They honored the female body and they honored the earth. What, what keeps coming to mind for me when we're talking about this is the Nat Ministry. And I don't know if you've heard about them, yeah. but it's the organization that was yeah, founded by, yeah, I think it's Trisha Hersey. And basically the idea and concept around that is something really similar to what we're discussing, which is that like, you know, the, the Nat Ministry is an organization that was created um, to kind of liberate the way that we saw rest and they really believe that like rest is a form of resistance and 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 sleep deprivation um can be a reason why the world can be really imbalanced in many ways mm. and i i love their philosophy because it's so current to what's currently unfolding in 2020 with the political climate which is that like rest pushes back against capitalism and white supremacy and if we can start to see that our ownership of women in our bodies and our cycles is also a form of activism where we can just quietly walk through the world, you know, doing our own part. Um, I think a lot of people think activism, you have to be in a soapbox and, you know, creating protests and being quite loud and outward. But even that is, um, I think, a bit of a a myth and that as women we can all be activists in in fighting these things and mm. being allies and showing up for um you know minorities in our community and women in our community by really encouraging each other to take these forms of rest and i guess that comes mm. back to what we were talking about which is creating you know, the, the menstrual cycle being part of a conversation that is created, whether you do that with your closest girlfriends or even your just your best friend or even a dialogue with your mom or family member, you know, it doesn't need to be something that has to be, I guess, so grandiose to everyone if that's not something that yet feels comfortable in your body. But I think stepping into that dialogue first and foremost is a way to really like hold each other through this process of resistance, which can sometimes feel lonely I guess at times mm. when the big cathartic moment of the world is unfolding in front of us 
yeah, just how important a rest is for our capacity to show up in our worlds. That if we don't have rest, um, we how can we access our pleasure, our joy, our creativity, our energy? And so, um, and it's also it's like it is a you know it's it's saying no to the capitalist you know economic system which treats us as if we're machines and actually you know we're animals in need of rest and that um yeah and we never need to earn rest which i think mm. is um is something that I, I um i come back to and and remind myself often and um and that this practice of you know I wrote a post a while back and it said a menstruation, it, it, no, sorry, a rest is necessary for the revolution and menstruation is your supported time of getting it. And mm. so it's really, it's a time where our bodies are, are, yeah, our biochemistry is supporting us to receive rest. And so it's a beautiful place to start because actually it, it's when we can um, recharge our energy reserves to really enter a new cycle, feeling replenished and renewed. But yeah, I love the Nat Ministries work. I think they are amazing and so, so um, important and needed. Totally. And and one thing that also I feel when we're talking about rest and, and reclaiming our right to understand ourselves is this kind of beautiful concept of the diary or um, deep listening, which is embedded in the indigenous cultures of, of Australia mm -hmm. and this land and is also kind of rippled out into many ancient cultures around the world where you really saw that communities were taking time to not only sit in nature and and deeply listen to what she was saying through her subtleties and that's a similar way that we can reconnect to our own ancient magic and our own kind of i guess witch lineage which is something mm -hmm. i really am trying to communicate with many people as we're stepping into such a politically correct age where everyone's, you know, worried about cultural appropriation. My biggest fear is that through that, we're going to actually like push women further and further away from their connection to nature and being mm. able to offer that to other women as our teachings. And I guess one way mm. we can look at it is really this witchcraft lineage, which unites mm. all of us and every culture yeah. around the world, whether it's 6,000 years or 300 has had, you know, that, that witch space, that magic, that ritual, that ceremony, which is, which is our right as human beings to claim. And, you know, I think that through the menstrual cycle, it's something that, it's not owned to any culture and that way it's so beautiful because it's something that really unifies like 51 percent mm. of the population are able to connect on this mm. thing that we all share and 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 moving yeah. forward i think that's so important that we start to really see each other as that human beings that we are and and that that we have deep understanding because as women we get to experience this together i don't think that you would meet any other woman and she wouldn't have maybe felt once in her life that she had a bad day with her cramps or something you know there's like the not the pain, but the the beauty of the cycle is a feeling that we've all felt before. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope, I think, is that true? Like the beauty of the cycle? I mean, I, I don't know. I think for a lot of people, they wouldn't, they wouldn't relate to that because of how they've been conditioned to see their cycle. I think it's changing and that's really exciting. I, I hope for that. 
but I don't, I actually don't know if, if, if that is a statement that everyone could agree on. But um, I do know that, you know, yeah, I love what you said about um, our witchcraft and lineage and that, you know, trace back all of our ancestors and they're ones I'm living off the land. And, um, and that we all carry that in, in, in us, that information in us. And that actually like, and when we do this work of connecting to our blood and cycles, we're doing it for all the, all the women and people in our line who didn't have the opportunity to, and we're doing it for our future generations to come. And, and actually like, um, I was in a, a training with someone and, and she said that, you know, she called her grandmother who was 80 and, and, um, was like grandma I'm just learning about the menstrual cycle and I'm wondering like how was it for you mm. and her grandma said um that she started crying and she's like no one's ever asked me that before mm. and that's you know 65 years of silence that's now been broken with this curiosity and this openness to this work and and um that you know it, it's big it's really big work actually it it, it is an intimate practice but it, you know you're going against a very long-standing and um, strong system, and um, yeah, and I'm like, I'm sure um, you know that, like, how the fact that you know um, we were once carried in the wombs of our grandmothers, and so when our grandmother was pregnant with our mother at 17 weeks into that pregnancy, and we were a potential of life carried in the womb of our grandmother, because at 17 weeks old, a baby, a baby, um, a female baby, develops all of her eggs and ovaries, and so just that alone is like so magnificent it's three generations contained within one body and so everything you know that your grandmother was experiencing feeling communicating eating ingesting you know it, it went into the creation of what became you and that's also true for us like how we relate to our body um, we can rewrite that story that we were you know that, that's been passed down and create something new and um yeah um yeah I love that. I really, I, I feel like there's a lot of despair in the world in this current like reality that we're living in. But I think really looking towards spaces where we're able to be hopeful. And for me, I really think like we could change the whole world in one generation. And maybe that starts with mm. us, you know, and starts with mm. our, our rewriting as we walk through the world as women, because we are this you know, younger generation who have more access to information can c collectively find um, people if we, whether that be online or outside of our own communities, if that's not readily spoken to. Um, and there's mm. so many books and, and blogs and information out there also on this work, which I think is a unifier for us too, mm. to come to a yeah. space to realize that like, yeah, when when we look at the world and we find despair within it, or if we feel hopeless about it, that we can understand our own powers to rewrite that for the next generations can be incredibly um, uh, uplifting to your purpose on this planet as well, you know? And yeah. I think there's real power in the subtlety of purpose too. I think, um, again, mm -hmm. talking about the outward nature of our society and the the real necessity to have to do and maybe your own internal act activism is just like learning to sit with yourself in those moments of of 
you know, bleeding or ovulation to just like tune in for a few seconds, even to your womb and, and start the process there. It can be so little. Um, mm. I guess yeah. my question is leading from that is like, what, how do we get here? How, why do you think um, the society mm. in which we have been born into is, is so scared of our blood? Because, yeah, I mean, it's because we live in a male-dominated world, and in a male-dominated world, it can't, um, we cannot be empowered to embrace and honor our blood. Like, it, 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 it couldn't coexist at the same time. And I, you know, and back to what I shared earlier is that, you know, the, the menstrual taboo, this widespread, ingrained, deep, deep taboo that, that goes far back, and, you know, we see everywhere, I feel that that's actually proof it's proof that, you know, that taboo was rooted originally in the knowing of our power at this time. And so in a male-dominated world, that can exist together. And so what better way to control and oppress women than to tell them their most powerful source of wisdom and insight and vision is actually a source of shame, annoying, a burden, and something to distance yourself from, disconnect, you know? Mm. So, uh, I mean, I think it's not a coincidence. It, it, and after you start or you begin working with your cycle, you realize that um, just how much power, and it's not power over something, it's like deep internal power um, that you gain from it and your sense of self and, and yeah, and, and its connection to your purpose to, um, yeah, your relationships, everything. And so like you start to really feel it in your body and then I feel like for me, I could, I could um, see that connection clearly. Like, of course, we had to be told to hate this part of ourselves if mm. we wanted to be put down. Um, but I, and I think, you know, like I, I, I tend to steer away from the language of like smash the patriarchy and fuck the patriarchy, even though I, I can feel that energy on a daily basis. And I do. And yet, you know, how I, I see the internalized patriarchy in the voice inside of my head that tells me to compete, compare, judge, belittle, feel superior to all these different things. You know, if I come at that, um, that voice with like, you know, um, resistance or um, like blow for blow, then it actually just feeds it. And, and I've, you know, I'm working just to work with your mind as like, oh, I, I you know, um, I, I welcome this. I can, I can be the bigger space that holds it. And that actually transforms it into something. Um, um, yeah. Beyond that. And I feel that that's a really important place to start too, is, is to notice the way that we talk to ourselves and, and to realize that it's, you know, it's, it's a voice that isn't ours. It's not really who we truly are um, and how to practice compassion for it um, as a way to move forward. Mm, yeah. yeah, I agree. There is this element of like, we've got to fight back as women. And I, I think that it's important to understand that like, the patriarchy is a, is a system. It's like this machine that's working. It's not a, um, a reflection of half of the population, which happened to be, you know, male presenting or male identifying. And I think that also while we're talking about 
this and and in a space of a woman-led interview it's important to recognize how men have been severely damaged by the patriarchy too and Mm -hmm. that they also have been dislocated from their natural cycle and rhythm and ability to be able to walk through the world in their authentic expression and so when we are looking to kind of rewrite these stories and change and shift our society that cannot be done unless we're walking a lot alongside each other and really mm-hmm. honoring each other in that way, which I think is really important, but can be so hard. I know myself, I have gone through big struggles with just feeling so much frustration and anger and specifically towards like the Australian male culture, um, you know, mm-hmm. but, but again, it's, it's like the culture is part of, that patriarchal like machine like system it's not Mm -hmm. a true representation of our nature and while it can be frustrating at times that we're perpetuating this we also have to do what you're saying which is look at how our own internal dialogue or our own actions are continuing this because we are clogs in this system and and the more that we oil the system and continue to fix that machinery then the more we will continue to create this kind of culture and the more that we step away from that and choose to not um look after that machine or um be cogs in that machine we can create something new and hopefully it's a paradigm that exists in a more natural way of being and living which is Mm. something that I hope to do in every moment of my day and Mm. that is really turning back to our indigenous ways and and that looks at like when we were all at a point in our lineage again where we were connected and close to nature and living close to Mm. nature I always find it's like so fascinating to watch I have two younger siblings who are girls and they're beautiful young women and they they both have this kind of idealized um moment around magic being really intertwined with like harry potter and all of those series of books but in my own journey as a woman i've like really found real magic like pure magic in in my connection to nature and it's amazing because magic is subtle and Sometimes it can be very expansive, but for me, most of the times that I've witnessed things has been when I am with me or maybe one other person deep in nature with not many people around. Um, And I think that's a really like powerful thing to reclaim because for a lot of my teenagehood being a young woman, I felt, I felt really powerless. And that's also because I felt like I didn't have magic, um, access to it or somebody to kind of show me that way it wasn't until I went on this journey myself that I I I realized it was it was right there in front of me and so much of this stuff is right there in front of us but we really do need kind of mentorship and guidance and I know that you offer that and and it's part of something that you offer which I think is really powerful and something that we should continue to do as women is really look to those who are deep in this work of wisdom and 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 ally with them to create mentorship and I guess 
what is your how do you feel about the idea of mentorship and do you have mentors in your life yeah thanks for sharing that babe I um just yeah um pointing that out but to like um connecting to earth and connecting to nature and and being I'm so privileged and lucky to be in a place where I'm surrounded by it and how that is so you know interconnected with my mental health and how I feel about myself and my body and um yeah it, it is there's magic there and um it takes listening and and nature but um yes i think mentorship um i'm so grateful that that um i have have found some women around me who um are farther along on this path and can share and teach with me so generously and um yeah i have a few a few women my teacher who actually met me the first day i arrived in australia she was teaching a workshop on a training i was doing and her name is moana pearl and you know i pretty much stalked her after that but she, she didn't respond to my many emails until like a, yeah a few and i i did her dishes so that i could hang out with her and um she you know she's epic and 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 she's been you know her work is mostly in mothers and daughters and and how you know um it's it's this work it's menstrual cycle work but it's also you know um so much broader about how to listen to yourself how to how to how to be your truest expression really and um you know you can tell the girl anything but if her mother isn't living and breathing it then um it you know it's it's that trans um that transmission that's you know the most important yeah her work is amazing and so so grateful to be yeah to assist her and then just to like be friends with her and and to learn from her and you can um learn more about her um at sacredwisewoman.com.au she holds circles and um mentorship programs and also um Dr. Uma Dinsmore-Tuli who's like just a radical um epic woman who she wrote the book Amyoni Shakti and really an amazing um perspective and you know extensive resource on um on specifically how yoga and tantra can um from a more uh, a female based perspective and how to conscious like how to deepen our practice through connecting with our wounds and and kind of exposing like how patriarchy has influenced yoga and 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 how that represents and she's yeah um so amazing i'd highly recommend that book and yeah also a dear friend of um, Rosie Matheson who's a birth educator and um kind of like she just um overall on women's health um you know a, a wealth of wisdom and she's been yeah mentor in how to honor my blood and how to um respectfully relate to our cycles and how to um and i guess like a real a real example of sisterhood as a pathway to deepen our experience of our cycles yeah and and just touching on that it's felt like for my own personal experience so powerful to bring in allyship with women and create relationships mm. with mentors rather than continue a narrative that i was kind of taught as a young woman which was to kind of be in a competitive space with women that were doing similar work to me for example and yeah. i think that's something that you know that that's what we're talking about or you were talking about really with to do with like 
um, opening compassion and, and really, you know, stopping that kind of patriarchal inner voice inside our head that's telling us that we can't be in a community and walk alongside women that are doing similar work to us. But that that's what we have done for so many centuries. And that is mm-hmm. actually like, I think more beneficial to the work than anything else, because the reality is that if every woman in the world was teaching menstrual awareness, like it, we would still need more almost, you know, we would need yeah. almost men to be, to be also talking yeah. about it. So it's, it, it, it's important to yeah recognize that space and, Thank you for sharing and honoring your mentors. I always like to acknowledge the women that have created the path for us to walk on. And there mm. is so many. And, um, you know, really where we are able to be privileged women in this world because of the work that they do. So I'm mm. sending a lot of love yeah. and honoring to them. Yeah, thank you. And I, I also just want to add my mom then too, because she, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, she's opened up so many doorways. And I, and she was never like really into this, but I do remember when I was like seven years old and her, um, there was blood, her, her blood, her blood was in the toilet and her being like, look at how beautiful that red color. And I was like, mom, but I'm like, oh, obviously that, that landed somewhere inside of me. So mm. yeah, she's, she's um, been huge for me too. Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, not your mom, but my mom. And I think that <laughs> that's really like a, a, a powerful step in breaking our relationships with women as well is yeah. just returning to that mother space. And um, it can be the hardest relationship, really. Like, I, I need mm. to be honest, I have gone through a huge uh, transformation, but it has taken a lot of ups and downs with my mom to meet in a space of full respect for one another and, and, you know, have to move through a lot of things of projection within my own sense of self about feeling that I have, you know, my negative qualities are somehow because of her, which is really mm-hmm. not the case at yeah. all, but it's often easy <laughs> I, I to say. Too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And that, and to also acknowledge that w- like when we have those, you know, those feelings of comparison and judgment and competition with our sisters and friends. It's like, you know, having compassion for that voice too. It's like, we know where that comes from. And like, that's actually, it's not true. And um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense and why that, and it still comes up and how can we, yeah, I'm not banish it, but just understand that, that um, yeah, it's, it's not the way forward. And, and, and uh, the deeper parts of us do know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Sam, that leads me to my last question. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for another three hours, which I'm sure we will do when we stop recording. (laughs) But um, the podcast title is It Takes Courage to Tell the Truth. So this is a question that I ask every woman that comes on the show. And um, the question is, what is the biggest truth that you have discovered in this human experience? Oh, wow. <laughs> that is um, um, the biggest truth. Um, the first thing that comes is that we're all interconnected and that we all need each other. And that this idea of like this individualism, it, it's actually, it is in our true nature and um, that we all have our part to play. And yeah, that, that everything is connected. 
I love that. And I, I, I hear that too. And it reminds me of, um, you know, this really, I don't know who I learned this story from. Maybe I read it, but um, there was a moment where um, some people had bought some tribe members over from the Amazon and they took them to New York. God knows why, but they were there. And one of the men turned around to the, the American guy that had bought them and said, you know, why do you have people here living on the street? Like that seems like a fractured community. And I guess that returns to mm. what we were talking about in the indigenous ways of being is that if one person is hurting, uh, one person is in poverty, like we all are in poverty. And until we start yeah. to see that, we can't move forward. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. It resonates deeply to me as well. Mm, yeah. And thank you for the work you do and the voice you share with the world. It's really, really needed and necessary. And you too. And thank you for being my friend and coming on and sharing your wisdom with me. And yeah, I feel constantly lucky to just live in this community with people like you and, and the beautiful beings that we all have around us who are yeah, really trying to just have these conversations that um, may feel a bit sticky to other people, but it's good to get yeah, it out me there. Too. Mm. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Ella.